if you could change one thing about your home, what would it be? A new kitchen, a new master bath, maybe put in a pool. What if you could do it with no money out of pocket and cheaper monthly payments? Savewithconrad.com can help, and you can even skip your next two house payments. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, savewithconrad.com. My name is Battle, host of the Battleground Podcast, and talk about an amazing weekend here in Nashville. I'm based right out of here in Nashville, and uh, we're here to talk about Ric Flair's last match here on adfreeshows.com, and I've got, uh, I, I, there's so many things that go through my mind after what took place uh, Sunday night, and uh, I've, we're going to be talking about this, and we're going to be getting uh, different views and opinions from the night, and first off, we've got our first guest on the show tonight. Let's uh, introduce everybody. Jay Hood is on the show with us right now. Jay Hood. Thank you for having me, Jonathan Hood from Good Karma Wrestling and ESPN Radio in Chicago, and huge wrestling fan. We do our uh, Good Karma Wrestling show every Thursday at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, um, and we have a fun time talking wrestling, and I'm having a fun time talking wrestling on ad-free shows because we had a crazy weekend. Yeah, oh, you talk about crazy. I mean, it started off with StarCast and everything on Friday all weekend long, and then led up to the, the main event that we're talking here about, Ric Flair's last match. And here in Nashville, I mean, that was all that we talked about on our, our podcast and on our radio show. Could Ric Flair still go? That was the question that we all asked. As wrestling fans at Rick's age with the pacemaker as health, could Rick still go? Jay Hood, Jonathan, what, what are we thinking, man? Well, first of all, as a Ric Flair mark, and who doesn't love Ric Flair, right? Woo, you got Here you. is the... Here's the champion, the traveling champion that was all over the country, across the world to represent Jim Crocker Promotions and the NWA all those years. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. of course, I'm always going to have admiration for him. But I I mean, honesty compels me to tell you how afraid I was in Nashville watching this pay-per-view, watching Ric Flair's last match. I was afraid because I didn't want his last match to be so bad or he's got to be carried out or anything like that. Because we ha- we hold him so dear, we hold him up. When we have wrestlers themselves, they say Ric Flair is the greatest. I still believe that Ric Flair is the greatest. There's no doubt. But I wanted it to go well for Rick. And you know what? At the end of the day, he stood up, did his promo, Tony Schiavone, and went off to party with with Kid Rock. So I'm good <laughs> for sure, for sure. And that was the thing is like you know being a Ric Flair mark, being here in Nashville. I was telling friends of mine, I was like, it's going to be an emotional night. Like I was there. My I remember correctly my first match wrestling show I ever went to Ric Flair was the headliner and being there for the Rick and Shawn Michaels match you thought it couldn't get any you know emotional more than that and then you go into Municipal Auditorium Sunday night all the fills hit you you walk in you see the nostalgia you see the set you see everything and every five seconds or so you hear a woo from a random person and then it just echoes all throughout Municipal Auditorium there was an appreciation for Rick Flair, and rightfully so. I think Conrad laid it out. I wasn't buying into this until Conrad Thompson laid it out. And he talked about, think about it from Rick Flair's standpoint, why this is important for him. And I, I totally get that. Rick Flair doesn't have to prove anything to me or you or any other, you know, Flair fan. He's done it all. 
I mm-hmm. saw him in 1989 as a kid watching him against Rick Steamboat. I was happy to be in Chicago to see that uh, part of that trilogy, the first of the three matches, and it was awesome. Saw him on Worldwide Wrestling and saw him, you know, in the WWE, saw him all over the country watching him and enjoying his performances. I didn't, he didn't have to prove anything, but for him, right. it was important to have his last match the way he wanted to. And I, I'm just happy that he is breathing and that he's happy. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and he was able to go out his way. Uh, we believe he went out his way, right? Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's what, that's what, as a wrestling fan, and we saw on that thing, him walk out and him doing the, you know, the kiss and holding up the big gold, which yeah. let me talk about that for a second, because me and you, we can go on and on and on. We could probably spend three hours talking about Ric Flair and everything that he's done. I mean, I've got the big gold. I've got the autograph Ric Flair pops. I got everything Ric Flair. I'm a Mark. Uh, my wife makes fun of me for it because I'm a big wrestling Ric Flair Mark. What was it like when you hear the woo, you hear the theme song, he does his little twirl and all of a sudden he undoes the robe and there's the big gold right there. I was, first of all, I didn't know what he was going for. I just thought it might be an adjustment to the trucks. Like, okay. Right. That's what we, trucks, I guess that's what we all thought. Yeah. Is it, does these things still fit? Uh, I might be catching up on me. Let me just adjust the trunks a little bit. And then for him to reveal, first of all, classic robe, by the way, if oh, you're a Ric Flair fan, you know, that is like Starcade level robe that he was wearing stuff. I saw in the eighties and to be for him to reveal the big gold belt. I'm like, Wow, I didn't know that he would have that. And at some point, he's just like, you know what, man? I know I'm the man. I don't need to carry this all the way to the to the ring. I'm good. But I think that that was that was a surprise. I think to all of us because we didn't know he had the belt, and he mm-hmm. reveals it. And that was really awesome. It was a, a surreal moment uh, just seeing that belt. And I, you know, as much as we're sitting here talking about Ric Flair. I got to give props where props are due with Jeff Jarrett and, and Jay Lethal in this whole yeah. situation. Uh, you look at Jeff Jarrett, and he is a great performer. He took the heel role with this to like a whole nother level going into this match. Yeah, so I talked to David Crockett a week before this show, and I asked him, I said, what's it like for Jim Crockett Promotions to be having this big event in the Jeff Jarrett, uh, Jerry Jarrett, um, you know, Jerry Lawler territory. He said, it is strange. He says, I would have preferred this to be in Charlotte. He mm-hmm. said, I would have heard this, you know, 20,000 fans there for Ric Flair's last match, but he totally gets it. And so I, I want to give Jared his props because he understands that you're working with um, Ric Flair wrestling his last match. And for Jared to be able to go after the fans I mean, unfortunately, going after Conrad, going after the Ric Flair family, I think that was wild. But I just think that we saw Jeff Jarrett turn it up to 11 in a big way, right? It's what we've seen from him in GCW, quite frankly, when he was there. It was just like, Jeff, I mean, this isn't just like the, you know, the guy that's smiling and is carrying the guitar and just happy to be there. There was a dark side to Jeff, and I think that played into it perfectly. I think that Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett did a great job in this match. Not necessarily to carry Rick, but to understand, like, okay, we're going after Rick, and then we're going after the fans. We're going after Rick and Andrade, and now we're going to go after the fans. So I just think the timing of all of it really worked out well. It, it was it was perfect timing, and I mean, you couldn't have had another better bear, better pairing than Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, and then Ric Flair and Andrade. And I was sitting there in the arena and, and watching Jay Lethal come out, do his thing, and then Jarrett, like 
like you said, turn it to 11. This wasn't, yeah. this wasn't even slap nuts. Jeff Jarrett from no, WCW, like no. hitting Beetlejuice with a guitar. Jeff Jarrett. This was like completely next level. And uh, watching him get into it with the fans and throwing that drink on the fan and the fan trying to jump over the guardrail. I was like, this is a heel Jarrett that I could get behind. In great shape and had a busy weekend. I, and by the way, watching SummerSlam, all I can think about is Ric Flair's last match. Isn't that yeah. weird? Like I'm seeing Jeff Jarrett in this as a quasi baby face. I don't know, in that tag team match at SummerSlam. But all I can think about is this dude's going to be in the main event in Ric Flair's last match. And, you know, it's it's funny that there was a reference to that at SummerSlam from Michael Cole saying, hey, Jeff, you know, Jeff Jarrett's got a very busy weekend. I'm like, everybody's looking forward to Ric Flair's last match. Anytime that's on WWE TV, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. So I, I, I got to give uh, Jarrett a lot of credit because Jarrett understands from his days in Memphis and just kind of like the Southern style of wrestling to be able to not just turn on the heat 100%, but to give it to the fans, let them know, hey, this is your hero down here. I'm going to beat Ric Flair. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to walk it. I'm going to talk it. That's exactly what he did on Sunday. Yeah, and he he definitely did that. And I think we sit there, and of course, you you see all the vignettes, you see the promos of everybody uh, showing their love to to Ric Flair and the thing. And I think the one thing that that we got a pop out of is when they went backstage, and there was Jerry Jarrett, and there was Jeff Jarrett, and then all of a sudden, Jerry the King Lawler shows up. Uh that that, <laughs> that was out of out of nowhere. I knew there might be some surprises, but the last time I saw uh, the King was him sitting there bored at SummerSlam in the pre-show with his little sad crown just kind of just sitting there, just kind of like, yep, it's going to be a good SummerSlam. Yep. I mean, he just sitting there bored. He wasn't even – they weren't even in the arena, by the way. They were, no. <laughs> they were sitting in the back, you know, by the garbage cans. There's like yeah, they were in the back parking waving. lot. <laughs> it was so sad, man. It just like – and Kings did probably be thinking to himself, you know how many times I sold out Nashville? Do you know how many times I sold out the Tennessee Loop? How many times I sold out Evansville and I got to be here in the back with these guys talking about SummerSlam to see him uh, in the back coming out of nowhere. I popped come like, wait a minute. What, what team Where'd you, you there? come from? Yeah. And he's just like, Hey, I mean, and you can understand because it was the Memphis mafia because they were all three mm-hmm. more together, Jarrett and Jerry Lawler. So there was a little history there that I really enjoyed. Yeah, and it was great because uh, they just kind of even like dug that knife a little bit deeper into Flair right before talking about how Flair didn't have the original Flair strut and yeah. adding that little bit of that uh, that uh, memory to wrestling fans growing up. Because, I mean, Ric Flair going into this match, I thought, you know, maybe there's going to be more shenanigans in there. Because that's what I was thinking. I was like, you've got Arn in the crowds. You had, you know, other people there. I mean, sitting there watching Undertaker and Bret Hart and Mick Foley show up sitting there front row, I was like, what if one of one of them get involved in this match? Because you, as a fan, you sit there and think about it. You're like, are they going to get involved? There's Kid Rock over here. Is Kid Rock going to get involved? I was wondering if someone else would get involved because it is Rick. Rick's not an everyday wrestler. And so, mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's got catches wind. You know, you got Andrade, who I think held a, you know, I don't know if he's 100% either, but he yeah. was able to do what he could do out there. But I'm thinking, wait a minute, I just watched all of StarCast on Fight. Didn't I see the Horsemen? Didn't I see Friends of Ric Flair? Didn't I see, you know, people in the roast? Didn't I see that? Mm-hmm. Couldn't someone come to Rick's aid? And it didn't happen that way. That's not how the match was designed, which has surprised me too, actually. Um, 
because he's got so many friends, uh, past and present, that are there. And it was kind of Rick having to do the finish. Andrade did the rest, and the match is history. <laughs> Let's talk about something that I know you like to talk about because you're a fucking dick. Let's talk about hard ones. Let's talk about blue chew. Uh, the temperatures aren't the only thing that's rising this summer. It's not just my blood pressure with Jeff Jarrett. It's also Jeff Jarrett's wiener. He's got a hard on for Ric Flair. And this episode is sponsored by blue chew. Confidence can take you far in life. Sometimes you can bullshit your way into a WWE job and somehow steal a main event and somehow get over on an indie promotion and somehow find yourself in a stadium show. If that doesn't work for you, try blue chew. Cause it works for us, regular humans who aren't despicable, disgusting people. Uh, blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. So you can be ready anytime, day or night. And the process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you receive your prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. So if you can benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Lord knows Jeff's going to need some extra confidence. Blue Chew can help. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free. When you use our promo code, my world at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is my world to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank blue chew for sponsoring the podcast. All right. So we're talking about some pretty serious stuff that happened in a parking lot, but once upon a time, I had some pretty serious stuff happen in a parking lot. I drove to one of those corner part stores and you know what I found? They didn't have the part my car needed. And I was just coasting in there. This is, I guess when I was 16 years old and I thought I can make it. They did not have what I needed. Now, back then I didn't know about rockauto.com, but I do now. I know that rockauto.com has hundreds of manufacturers. I get to pick the prices I want, the parts I want, the brands, the specs. And it's not like they have one manufacturer to choose from. Like those big box stores, they got everything you need from hundreds of manufacturers. Get the best price. You may not know this, but those big box stores, they've got two different price tiers. You pay like half as much. If you're a professional twice as much, if you're a do it yourself or like you and I, I don't do that. Now I go to rockauto.com. They have everything I could ever need. It gets delivered straight to my door. Their catalog is so easy to navigate. I can sort by whatever I want the cheapest price. I got it. Best of all, let me tell you this rockauto.com's prices are reliably low. They're the same for professionals and do it yourselfers. And they have an amazing selection and all the parts your car will ever need. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write my world in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you. What did your, what was your overall thoughts? Uh, once, once the bell rang, Rick got the pin. What was your overall thoughts of the match? <sighs> Thank God. It's Sigh over. of relief. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Didn't you feel the same way? I mean, look, it, look, it was the longest match on Rick Flair's last match. It mm-hmm. was almost 30 minutes. So I'm panicking. Yeah. I don't know about you. I, because listen, it, first of all, I'm sad because this will be the last time we see Ric Flair in a, in a ring. But also I'm panicking like, hey, man, this guy's been laying on the apron for about five, six minutes. He's just trying to get a blow. Andrade's doing his best to be able to hang in there. And I'm just kind of like, well, I, I, um, I'm just saying when Rick gets the brass knuckles, he goes from his left hand to his right hand. And, you know, Andrade's like, hey, man, this is it. 
this is it, man. You got to get, you have to do it. I, if I do it, I'm going to get booed. I'm, right. just, I'm just your son-in-law. <laughs> you got to do the finish. Get up. And your name's on like, the marquee, not mine. Yeah. Rick's like, okay, you know, all right. I guess I got to get up and do, yeah, you got to do this. You're the dirtiest player in the game. I mean, you already faked a heart attack and then got the eye poke, which is classic flair, by the yes. way. So, so, I mean, just the idea that if flair's not doing that and Andrade's like, okay, I'm going to have to do the finish, then then I, I feel like that would have been bad on Andrade. I'm glad Flair had enough wherewithal, enough oxygen to get up and knock and knock out Jared. Yeah, and it was it was a great match. And going back to what you said about the fake and the heart attack, I, I sat there and I was in the crowd watching it. And when he started doing this, the not wrestling fan in my mind started kicking in. It's like the oh no, is this like about to happen? Like, are we watching? <laughs> is this is this is he about to just fall over? Because he's like ho- holding it. And I was like, as soon as he did the finger poke, I was like, dirtiest player in the game. Like, he got me as a fan, and I'm sitting there thinking about this. Like, oh. How many Ric Flair matches have you seen where he says, oh, God? If he, if he goes down by saying, oh, God, then, it, that, then he is the gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, oh, God. Oh, God. And I'm thinking, okay, something's going to happen here. I poke. It's tremendous. It's- yeah, and it was so so great because, I, you know, I, I said it. I thought something really was happening. Like, I thought maybe he was having some chest issues for a second. Because the way he sold it, and I know I'm a, I, that's Ric Flair. Yes. But he sold that so perfectly. Yes. That even I, people around me were like, oh, is it, uh, what's happening? Because they all started looking at the referees thinking they were going to throw up the X. Let me just, let me just say this. And I know you probably read the same things I've read about this match. Rick is 73 years old. Mm-hmm. If you thought that he's going to do a flip-flop and fly, he was not going to take a suplex from the top rope. I don't care what he practiced. He just wasn't going to do that, man. It mm-hmm. was up, and it's just like, he's just not going to take those kind of – I mean, he's 73. Those practices are one thing, but when you get into the ring, and the thing that resonated with me the most is what he said afterwards to Tony, to Tony Schiavone. Man, all the pressure to deliver – so the, the great Undertaker is there. Brett is there. Uh, Mick Foley is there. There's WWE people that's not supposed to be on screen. They're also in the back for this, right? And so think about the pressure. Rick's always been able to wrestle under pressure and shows across the world. But it's different when it's your last match, when it's really your last match. And people expect him to do the stuff he did when he was in his 40s or in his 50s. It just, that wasn't going to happen. It just yeah. wasn't going to happen. But I wanted him to be able to survive that thing and be able to win, most importantly. Definitely, for sure. And, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about Ric Flair's last match, thanks to our friends here at Ad-Free Shows. Uh, my name is Battle. That's Jonathan Hood from ESPN Chicago and Good Karma Wrestling. And uh, now it's time to bring in a, another guest that's going to be a part of our show right now, breaking down Ric Flair's last match. Let's bring him in. Kevin Kellen from Sports Kita joins us on the phone. My man, what's going on, buddy? What up, Jay Hood? Chicago, two-fronted of the house here, baby. Biggest wrestling city in the world, influencing it, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm rolling down the road in Kentucky right now. Are we in Indiana? I, I'm not in Memphis. I'm, we just rolled out of Memphis, Indiana. Not the same Memphis that, uh, that, that, no. that, that I could have been. No. Uh, but no, Nashville was, it was surreal. This was a surreal show. There's about the show, and you guys have already kind of touched on it, and and I, I kind of agree with, with um, what J-Hood was saying, that I, I think trying to make this into something that is retrospectively like, oh, he's going to wrestle like he did even in 08, 09 is unreasonable. 
Like, you, you, there's a reason it was a tag match. Bruce Pritchard for some Gaga. They had a lot of Lady Gaga in this match, and rightfully so. And also, some of the most memorable matches from Flair, outside of, like, the Steamboat stuff, had all of that. It had, like, people interfering and, and, uh, and all the different things that people, like, cherish about the Jim Crockett years was a lot of Gaga. It was a lot of interference and wild stuff that happened outside of the ring that influenced the finish. So as much as people said, like, oh, they did all that. No, that is how those stories were done. You know, like, that is how those things happen. When they had the horsemen, there was run-ins and run-ins and run-ins on top of run-ins, right? And Dusty would eventually vanquish all the foes and finally uh, stop uh, Flair from all the different dastardly tricks that he would pull. Um, and what was the finish? Flair's going to use brass knuckles to win a match when the referee's back is turned. That's very definitively Flair. Uh, and that they were going to have Conrad be involved and someone at ringside would help him with it. He had a backup plan. And so, I mean, they laid it out well. Um, and I, I honestly think people were concerned about Flair at the end of the match. I was at ringside. I got, I got fairly close. Uh, I was within the vicinity of, of Kid Rock and some other people. And I could tell the people were concerned. And, and rightfully so. But I think once um, he started to speak, he'd tell, like, this is a guy who just put his body through the most he could do. Uh, and I think uh, there were some things I think he did need to do. I don't think he needed a bump on the floor. I don't think he needed to do as much. The, lo- the, match, the match was way better than I think people are giving it. Uh, and I think it was a special match. It didn't need to be a great match. That wasn't the point of it. The point of it was to give you one more great showing of this guy. And all these people that want to raise him up and play their parts. And you saw what, you know, Jeff Jarrett said today to ESPN. You saw what Jeff Jarrett risked. This is a guy who's an executive vice president of live events at WWE that got to convince them to let him do this match. Think about that. If something went wrong here, that's on him. You know, that, and, and even if he wasn't in the ring and something went wrong here. Um, Jay Lethal, this is a guy who's a 20-year pro. You know, something goes wrong. It's on him. Andrade, it's on him. And I understand there was a risk, but Flair wanted to do it. I was at the roast. Everyone was saying he wants to do this. He's, do, he's taking this seriously. Talking to everybody the whole weekend um, associated with the show that he was very, very serious. I spoke to some people close to the situation said he was, he was in rough shape after the match. I don't know if he was out being Ric Flair. I don't, also, I don't think he needs to be. We got one more night with him. I think it was what it was. And if you hold that against him, I don't think that's fair either. He gave you everything he could. He just wanted one more to tie up the loose end. If I've heard some people say, oh, this is as bad as Goldberg and Undertaker, where Undertaker could have had his last big match. This huge, No, it was not. It was not that. Uh, this was, uh, yeah, this is a 70-something man using all the tricks he can, looking as good as he can, in that shape, doing as much as he can. I think there was one critique I would say the match is probably about 15 15, 10 minutes too long. I don't think it needed to go as long as it did. Yeah. So, but I, I actually really, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It was the celebrities. It was people at ringside, the way it was produced, the way it was shot. Undertaker, Bret Hart, Foley, Kid Rock, Charlotte getting involved. Like uh, all of those secondary things added to it. The entrance was spectacular. I felt goosebumps watching that entrance. Uh, and, and it was treated like and shot like it was 1985, the way they had the entrance, way the way everything was produced. Um, kudos to Ad Free Shows, the way this was looked. It was designed to be a throwback show, uh, aesthetically, 
but the card itself was super strong. I thought this was a really, really, really strong show. So if you tuned in, you just wanted to see Flair one more time, and you got this banger show that introduced you to some wrestlers you've heard about but haven't seen, or some wrestlers you haven't seen in a while, Mission Achieves. Mission Achieves. Good show. I don't think it was better than SummerSlam. I know some people want to make that comparison because uh, SummerSlam is a whole different topic. But this show is a different show. It had a niche purpose. It had a specific uh, point that it had to sell, and it, and it sold me on it. I liked it. Uh, I would love to see more shows under this idea of super fan service. You know, like yeah. we're playing for a very specific audience. You know, um, I don't know if it needs to be someone's last match. They, there was a panel at ad free shows where they had Mick Foley and Foley that kind of was brought up. Um, and, but he all but wrote that off as something I don't think physically I could I could do. But if it's a show where he books a show, if you give Mick Foley the book and say, I'm going to book all of these wrestlers that I can book. I think that's kind of neat, you know, like, um, and uh, I think it adds something to these StarCast events in a really, really special way. It makes them more momentous and more of a destination that, that they're trying to create. But Lollapalooza Pro Wrestling, right? You want those. Yeah. Time to tell you about Rectech, an amazing company that offers wood pellet grills fueled by all natural hardwood pellets, along with other outdoor lifestyle products like coolers, apparel, grill accessories, and more. They've got grills ranging from three ninety nine to three grand. So your entry level to boy, we're in competitions. Rectech has grills for every lifestyle and every budget with a key focus on flavor, convenience, and versatility. Their factory direct pricing eliminates the middleman and all grills ship free. Plus all Rectech pellet grills come made with high quality stainless steel that's built to last a lifetime. Now the flagship model for Rectech is the RT 700. You've got a 40 pound pellet hopper, 702 square inches of cooking space, the PID Wi-Fi controller, where you can control your temperature. You can turn your grill on, you can turn it off. You can turn it up. You can turn it down and a six year bumper to bumper warranty with a Rectech, You can bake, smoke, sear, grill, even dehydrate on the grill, all with the push of a button. And that's why those in the know choose Rectech. So it's time to toss that tasteless gas grill, that messy charcoal grill, or even that overhyped brand name grill aside and join an elite wood pellet grilling family by focusing on flavor, convenience, versatility, Rectech sets the new standard in grilling. Visit Rectech.com. That's R E C T E Q. Use that promo code Jarrett to get 5% off site wide. Now, remember that's 5% off their top notch wood pellet grills. They're one of a kind Rectech icer coolers, their chef tested rubs, the sauces, the accessories, the merchandise, everything is 5% off at rectech.com when you use the promo code Jarrett. That's R-E-C-T-E-Q.com. If you've been following Eric Bischoff on social media, you know, every weekend he's doing little cooking classes over there. He loves his, I love mine. I just put mine at the, uh, the lake house and I even saw your old sorry tale who gets your meat down at Kroger or some bullshit. Uh, you, um, use a rec tech and it'll even make yeah. the, the, the rubbish you feed your family taste good. Right. Yeah. I guess Kroger won't be a sponsor, uh, for us now. I hope not. So, all kidding aside, Conrad rec tech is the real deal. I was maybe a little skeptical. What's going to make this different. The quickness I cooked on it three times in 24 hours. It is the real deal folks. You don't have to mess up your stove and it's quick. You can punch it. Uh, I cannot speak highly enough. I'll, I'll, I will say that, that I am rec tech as Mr. Bischoff would say for life. Guys, Kevin battle. I'll say this. There have been some that says that, well, you know, flares up the tracks and he shouldn't have had this, his last match. 
Actually, that is quintessential pro wrestling because yeah. promoters in the past, like Vern Gagne, like Bill Lotz, um, the Sheik in Detroit, these guys were wrestling in their 50s and in their 60s. Were they doing it at 73? No. But the point is, though, is that they could draw a house. And and so yeah. if Ric Flair didn't mean anything to anybody, then it would have been empty or it would have been a half a house there. It was a great crowd in Nashville. It, it, and I think that uh, from a wrestling standpoint, historically, it's not like we've ever seen veteran guys get in the ring and be able to give one more chance to be able to draw a house and have memories and to be mm-hmm. having a nostalgic show like we saw last night. Yeah. And also, I mean, for I think most fans, they'll view – Rick's last great performance is WrestleMania 24, which was a hell of a match with Shawn Michaels and a a spectacular stage. But this is Rick saying, I want to redeem myself for all these different things I've done since that I don't like, that don't age well. Um, The stuff in TNA, I wanted to be a manager, but I got in the ring and wrestled and I didn't need to do that. And the matches weren't that good. I wasn't that happy. And the divorces and and the the heart attack and, and the heart issues, this is more like, I don't want... You know, but they all want it. All of them do. If Hulk Hogan could get in the ring and have him a night like that, he would do it. He would do it, and he wouldn't care if he made money. Flair didn't do this for money. I know that. I, I know from talking to people, this was not, oh, Flair lost his money. It's another divorce. He needs the money. No. He didn't do this for money. This was not, not done for money. Obviously, were people coming and spending money? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, definitely. Flair at that show that came in suits. People suits to a pro wrestling show i uh did do the button up i tried i tried but there were some people definitely out dressing brad gilmore is the brad gilmore fashion played a professional wrestling working the show my sports key to broadcasting partner always i had a nice button up shirt i'm in the press box i'm a little bit more of like a like a, like a hawaiian not a hawaiian shirt but like a it was a fun printed floral thing and uh, he shows up looking like he's about to open up for frank sinatra you know and uh, so definitely outclassing me uh and at and uh, there were a lot of people dressed up. There were, I mean, the celebrities that were there, the who's who. Uh, there were people backstage that were like, you be sh- they were that were at the show that you didn't see on camera. Uh, out of respect for them, I won't say it. Uh, but I mean, there were a lot of people that wanted this to go off well. I think it went, it went better than some people. And there's plenty of people who are just going to see clips of it and think that's what it was, you know? And, right. um, but I, I, I'm fine. I'm I was, uh, it defeated my expectations. I'm not saying I had low expectations, but I was concerned. And a lot of people will. Also, some banger matches on that show. I thought the Briscoes and the Von Ericks, give me more of that. Give me more of just, give me more to of these teams beating the snot out of each other. And oddly enough, I'm like, turn the Von Ericks heel. I want to see, I want to see heel Von Ericks. They didn't do it, but I, I would love to see that. Um, there were, there were some matches I, I thought were, were fine. Uh, kudos to AAA, Black Taurus, uh, Bandito nearly, uh, he took a, he took a leap off the top rope, nearly landed on his head on the I cement. Watched, they, they I keep caught watching him. that clip on Twitter Woo! and it's just like, bro, that, if, if, if he wasn't there to catch him, we'd be having a different conversation today uh, instead of our Ric Flair's last match here on ad free shows. Yeah, and also, I think, I think, I think that was the match of the, of the night, quite frankly. And, yeah, and yeah, absolutely. The, I think it was the second longest to Ric Flair's last match. But just Ray yes. Phoenix, Taurus, and Laredo Kid and Bandito, I just think that because the move – and by the way, that's what got David Crockett really into the pay-per-view. If anyone went back to watch it, I mean, he was just watching and observing. But when he saw the speed of all the all four of those guys, he's like, 
wait a minute, wait, wait. Is this what wrestling is in 2022? I think <laughs> was just, he was amazed. He was amazed because he's never seen anything that fast so quickly. And so to me, I think he had a Doc Brown moment. Yeah. He had a Doc Brown moment. He stepped out of the time machine. He was like, wait, you can do this now? <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was amazed. I, I think that that stole the show, quite frankly. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that was the match of the show. And, and Ray Phoenix is a big star. Uh, I think it's another example of this is an AEW guy. Those are AAA guys. There was New Japan talent on the show. The exact the live event president of WWE wrestled in the main event with, a, with an AEW guy. Think about that. People talk about that's never happened before. Uh, so there were a lot of there were a lot of fun things on this that I, I believe are indicative of more wild things to happen in the future. Uh, I don't know what you guys have heard. There's nothing I can report on, but there's more I think wild expectations for what you can expect uh, and fan service driven things. Um, there was a moment where Rick let something out of the bag during the Four Horsemen panel this weekend about more Starcast type events. Um, and I cried. That door was swiftly cut shut. They're like, they were, no, 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 no. Uh, but I mean, maybe that's just exploratory too. You don't want to announce something and you're not actually doing it. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Definitely for sure. And you look at the weekend and I, I talked about this with, uh, with Jonathan, uh, the nostalgia walking in like municipal auditorium is when it comes to Nashville wrestling, growing up here, there's two iconic places that involve national wrestling. It's the fairgrounds and it's municipal auditorium. And I can tell you when it came to wrestling, I was at one of those two things. I remember seeing Ric Flair at the fairgrounds and at municipal auditorium. I remember my last WCW house show was at municipal auditorium that I went to. And I remember I was a little kid. I marked out because I got Kevin Nash's NWO shirt that was like eight sizes too big for me to wear. And I still tried to wear it the next day to school. And my mom's like, no, you can't wear that. And it like had the, the, the Bengay smell on it and it had the sleeves cut <laughs> off. And uh, I was just, you think about it and you look at the cool thing about municipal auditorium is you look up as soon as you walk in and you see the historic ticket stubs all throughout there. And I love that. I loved it. I've never been there. I heard there was a ton of history. When you walked in the marquee, the old school sensel, like almost like you're seeing them, like you're walking in a movie theater, the, the, the ticket stubs that are like giant posters that line every wall. And also I think there has to be said something for this is a beautifully designed building. Yeah, seeing not a bad stuff. seat. No, not a bad everywhere. Seat uh, I'm, in, I'm driving my buddy Chris in the car. Chris, you were at the show. You could see you you could see from where you were, and I was on the floor. You could see everything, everything, and and the sound, the sound on a pop was for eight thousand. It made you feel like you were in front of eighty thousand. That auditorium acoustically has something special, very reminiscent. You know this, uh, J- Jason, very reminiscent of Rosemont Horizon All State Arena with that wooden ceiling and that curved sound that comes down on top of you. Very special space, a lot of magic there. I heard the, I heard someone walk by and say it to me on the way out. There's like that's a magical building. It's a magical building. They've never been there. It was, yeah. and that was that's the thing about National Municipal Tour. Even if, like, as weird as it sounds, if you go in the back room or the bathrooms, they have the the backstage passes on the doors, and like, you, if you paid attention, and they're they're on the front and the they're on the back, but they have like the old WCW logo backstage passes on the doors and the WWF <laughs> logos. Like, it, there's so much history inside that building and again uh we got to see history made sunday night with rick flair's last match yeah and i love that nostalgia guys I, I love that nostalgia and this is why 
you know, I, I don't know what was going through the mind of David Crockett, but just to have Jim Crockett promotions out there, listen, there's a lot of indie uh, wrestling that we could watch. There's a lot of wrestling on the big stage, but I wouldn't mind Jim Crockett promotions having these one-off events, you know, a couple of times every year because I could hear in David Crockett, in the interview I did with him, there was this, this gleam in his eye, this feeling like, you know what, this is really cool. And I know for him back in the 80s, you know, being with his brother, going all the way back, you know, promoting wrestling was cool in the in the Carolina territory. I kind of think that this could be uh, the Jim Crockett promotions, you know, two or three times a year, nostalgic events, yeah. because nostalgia still sells. But what's, what was so unique about this is nostalgia because Flair built the house. But all of the young wrestlers that were on this card, and also the young announcers, right? Here's a Tom Hannafin coming out, and here comes Ian Riccoboni out. Dombrowski comes out. So it's kind of the mixture of old school versus new school, where everybody's under the tent. And so if Jim Crockett Promotions wants to stay back in business, I don't know what Conrad says, and I don't know what David Crockett says, but I'd be all for it. I mean, we watch a lot of wrestling anyway. Why not mm-hmm. something unique like this again? And you you mentioned that, and you know we had we had uh, him on right before Crockett Cup when he was doing all that stuff, and we asked him that before the 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 Crockett Promotions came back for Starcast, before all this stuff was even talked about, we asked him, and he's like, he, you could tell that itch was there when he was talking about Crockett Cup. He was like, man, it's it, it feels good to be a part of this and being back in wrestling, and I want to do this and I want to do that. And we kind of asked him, was like, so are you going to bring back Crockett Promotions? Like, can you do that? I know that, you know, at the time, WWE owned it or whatever. We talked to Conrad the week of StarCast, and it was like, you know, they did own it. The key word in that that is did. Um, They were able to get Crockett Promotions, which was an exciting thing for us growing up because that's what we watch. But you could tell that that this isn't going to be a one-off for for Crockett Promotions whatsoever. I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's, this is just pre-StarCast. On Wednesday, there was a media call, and and uh, I, I it was brought up, like, would there be more like this, you know? And Conrad Thompson from Ad Free Shows, she put this all together, and let it be known, we're obviously doing this on Ad Free Shows, so what do we know, you know? Everyone thinks we're, we're all under the same banner. I'm not. I, do, I, don't, I don't get a check from them. I just got, I got asked to come on, and I, I love the office, and I talk to them often. So they, uh, I was asking about it, and I was told, like, I'm going to transfer the rights to Jim Crockett. I own the name, but it's going to go back to him on the first. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, so I was like, all right, well, there's something there. Um, and there's something different about this show culturally. I, I, I'm not to say that WWE doesn't have a wide, expansive audience or a culture that's obviously in a shift right now with Vince again. I'm saying the culture of the fans, the way the fans connect with the content and the stories. Uh, and it's a word that we haven't heard a lot from younger fans. This is wrestling. This is yes. Southern wrestling. And that's, with that was R, the culture that... Not a W. Yeah, with an R. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. And then, R-A-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Oh, man. What are you well, doing Friday night? <laughs> I'm going down. I'm going to see Rass. This episode is brought to you by CarShield, who makes it easy and affordable to protect my car from expensive repairs. And that's just for starters. CarShield is the number one auto protection company in the U.S. and offers protection plans for around 100 bucks a month. The plans cover more parts than ever before 
whether your car has 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles. Let me tell you how simple it is to get your car fixed. When you need a repair, you choose the mechanic, and CarShield's administrators handle the rest. That's it. You don't have to deal with the paperwork or headaches you're taken care of. Same goes if your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road. Plans through CarShield also include coast-to-coast roadside assistance. CarShield administrators are there for you with rental car options and trip reimbursement at no extra cost too. Get coverage today and you'll lock in your price now and it will never go up. That means as long as you own your car, no matter how old it is, you're protected from the rising cost of parts and repairs for your vehicle. CarShield helps protect my wallet from expensive car repairs and they'll do the same for you. Go to carshield.com slash podcast to start your plan and lock in your pricing forever. That's carshield.com slash podcast. A deductible may apply. Speaking of wrestling, <laughs> let's continue uh, bringing in our guest. Uh, we have another guest joining the panel tonight. Graham Matthews from Wrestle Rant and Bleach Report joins the show, my man. Graham, thank Woo! you so much for coming on with us tonight. Hey, what's going on, guys? Appreciate taking the time. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for being a part of it. So we're, we're just kind of talking about Ric Flair's last match. Let's uh, Let's get your thoughts on it real quick. Yeah, just kind of riding off what you guys just said, not to copy off that, but I completely agree. I thought it was a success uh, watching it from start to finish, thoroughly enjoyed it. And just kind of going off what you guys just said two seconds ago, the atmosphere was really what, to me, stood out more than anything. Um, And I think we don't really have much of that in really any promotion right now. I think every promotion is doing something successfully right now, something worth watching for. But just something about last night just really hit different um, as far as someone that didn't grow up watching Jim Crockett promotions. Uh, personally, I'm, I'm definitely on, on the outs as far as that goes in regards to you guys, I'm sure. But uh, just watching it and, and just what they put together with all these different promotions and the crowd was into all of it. And we got to see a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life on that show last night and what they pulled off with the main event. Uh, just in a nutshell, I'm sure we'll get into specifics here in a second. But um, I thought overall, I had a lot of hype behind it. And it was going to be hard to top what they did with the video packages coming into the buildup for that main event specifically was really on another level with it being Ric Flair's final match, hopefully, and whatnot. And I thought they delivered coming out of it and had a lot of positive buzz going in, coming out of it. So that was the real takeaway for me. Yeah, and that that documentary leading up to Flair's last match, it was I felt it had that uh that kind of like dark side of the ring feel to it, just getting the backside of everything behind it. And I was like, can we get more of this of like even if there's not a wrestling match happening, can we just have more of like backstories and docu-series like this every week? I yeah, think there's going to be I think there's going to be more. I think there's going to be more. I think there's going to be more. I got the impression that there's going to be more. Yeah. Yeah. I got that impression. Yeah. Yeah. Being on the floor, there was different people shooting stuff. There was different camera crews that looked, they were like a B-roll team. They weren't like shooting for live shots or wide shots. They're going in tight. I was like, Ooh, all right, we got more here. And, um, and also uh comment said on the media call prior that there would be another episode of the Ric Flair's last match series. And they would document all the whole lead up day of type stuff. So you get another episode. Now will it be a whole series? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he said on that call that it would be too quick to turn it around today on Monday, yeah. but maybe Tuesday or yeah. Wednesday down the line that we'd probably get the aftermath, uh, the afterbirth of what happened uh, on Sunday. So I, I, I was just thrilled with it. And I just think that, hey, listen, 
guys, I, I mean, I would have liked each match to go 15 minutes. I think they deserve that time. Mm-hmm. But I understand mm-hmm. that everything was about the main event. I totally get that. I'm just glad. But as, I think that we have put it in perspective, too. A lot of these wrestlers, a lot of them that were on this card, never performed in front of a crowd that big. Yeah. No. So that's so that's no. that, I think. And that's also a crowd on pay per view. You know, like uh, uh, there's a lot of people that bought this show that are just Ric Flair fans. You know, there were a lot of people that bought tickets to the show that are just fans of Flair, and they they grew up with Flair, and that's their guy, and that's who, and they're gonna watch his last match, even if it ain't great. They 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 sat next to their dad and they watched Flair, and they booed Flair and they cheered Flair, and and they and maybe they got introduced to a bunch of different people, and there were some promotions because there was multiple promotions on the show. They took advantage of this point, and specifically, I'll give it to Impact. I wanted Jacob Fatu from MLW, the Big Simone Werewolf, to mm-hmm. just go after the walking weapon, the Impact World Champion, Jason Alexander. I wanted them to wreck each other, like King Kong versus Godzilla. And we got a little bit of it, and then Matt Cardona ruined it. I was like, and logically, though, in the back of my head, I'm like, they got a pay-per-view coming up. They're going to be at Emergence. They got a jump-off point. There's people not people seeing them. I haven't seen an Impact wrestling match in a long, long time. So let's get there. Let's go. So I understood that not everything can be uh, a, a big burn burner and a, and a show. Off point. Uh, but I was hoping for that. Not Cardona shaking my fist at you. Shaking my fist. Hey, but you know what? Cardona got a diamond cutter. So that's all that matters for that end of the night. Yeah. So they, they did. They did. Give, they did give you that, you know, and you got to see. Uh, uh, and got to do some stuff with his his son-in-law, so I thought. Yep. There was at the end of the night. Yep, that sounds like Indiana to me. He's going through. The, he's going through. <laughs> he's going through the, the 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 upside down right now. Is what he sounds yeah. like. <laughs> he's in Indiana. I can. I know what that sounds like. <laughs> I can hear it. I can hear it. But yeah, uh, yeah, so I, sorry about that, guys. I hope you can hear me now. Oh yeah, no, no, you're fine. You were clear the whole time. <laughs> um, I, I I just tell you, man. I I just but we knew it was business, though, Kev. Right? We knew with Josh and, and Jacob that that was business, right? I like that. I guess the thing that re- really resonated with me is that Jacob too. He gave you the whole arsenal. He was fantastic in there, and I understand that there was some politics in there. This is the reason why we got to finish that we did. But man, to see that match, if they were just if it's, it's Alexander against Fatu without the politics, who knows what that matchup looks like. But I know one thing, Fatu really showed up and showed out in a big way. Yeah, big time, big time. Yeah, It really did feel yeah. like a different version of All In from a couple of years ago. My apologies if you guys kind of already talked about this earlier, yeah. but that's kind of just watching this show, what this felt like to me, because it's very – I mean, in recent years, we've seen wrestlers kind of knock down those borders, go to other companies, Matt Cardona being a prime example in the last year or so. Um, but this show, having just one show with all these different performers from all these different companies, even Jarrett, to an extent, representing WWE working there now in a behind-the-scenes fashion, is just super cool. We don't see that often. You can't do it all the time, too. Right. That kind of takes away the specialness from it. But for one show, SummerSlam weekend, and uh, like Kev was talking about, just having it kind of revolve around Rick. Because a lot of people probably tune into the show for Rick and not necessarily for the undercard. Tuning in, I know a lot of people that don't pay attention to MLW. I only started watching the product about a year ago. They probably don't know about you know Davey Richards. and I mean, they probably know about the American Wolves, but really don't know what 
he's been up to in the last couple of years or Jacob fought too. And seeing him being impressed now want to go watch that product and hearing Dombrowski on commentary, being impressed with him and Rick Abani as well, obviously he's been a bit more notable lately in ring of honor, but still it, it's really cool. I just can't get over the fact they were able to really put this together and it was a success all around. And like you said, just as far as the, the politics kind of preventing us from getting certain finishes. I mean, that is what it is, but you know, you throw in new Japan, triple a, it's really cool, man. I never thought we would see another event like All In from a few years ago. And even the way they pulled it off, this wasn't like 100 people. Like, it looked amazing on television. So mm-hmm. uh, just two thumbs up all around. And I, I went back and watched it uh, today twice before we did this just to, so I could talk about it because I was there in person. But I was like, I want to hear what this looks like, what this sounds like from watching it from home and everything was just top notch. I loved, I even went for a little bit and listened to the, the, the Spanish version of the (laughs) the match just so I can get that feel back again. Um, But I mean, you look at it, it's a stack card from top to bottom. Everybody showed out, like you guys said, and will we ever see something like this again with every promotion, including WWE being on a non promotional card i i kind of think that um we'll see something like that but i believe that even though things will change in wwe i'm not sure how that would change as far as triple h and having wwe talent on shows like that maybe i guess you never say never but i think that that's one thing that the wwe policy it's like yeah i mean it's cool to have Jared on the one-off, but to be able to have mix mix all those companies, including the WWE, in there, I don't see that happening. Um, uh, you were talking about like the matches, right? One thing I just want to point out: shout out to Jonathan Gresham. I think we have a tell with Jonathan Gresham. If he doesn't have like the octopus mask and the flag, then he's gonna lose because he had boo boo <laughs> face at at Ring of Honor at the uh, Death Before Dishonor. When I saw him come out with that T-shirt against uh, Claudio, I'm like. Yeah, he's gonna lose. He's got boo boo face. They came out there with the mask and the and the the whole flag gimmick. I'm like, that guy's gonna win tonight because he looks happy. <laughs> you can see under the if you can see under his mask. But yeah, that was that was that was another one of those sleeper matches. You look at it and you look at everybody in that one. That was that was a sleeper match. A lot of people kind of look past that one. I mean, that, look, look at the card. <laughs> you're, you're, you're bound to like, there's probably something in this review because we're not going through it match by match. We're not breaking no, it down. No, like no. But, but I mean, there's something in the show that people are like, how did they forget about this? I mean, they didn't talk about the women because I thought the women had a great match. I thought, yeah. uh, I thought Ellering and Perrazzo and Jordan Grace were very, very strong. A great showing of what impact has with their women's division. They didn't just go with a singles match. They wanted a triple threat. They wanted to put out a statement. Uh, and, and I thought they had one of the better matches on the show, too. Uh, I, I would say that it's a special time in the wrestling business for a lot of different reasons, from a lot of different directions. And as negative as some of the things may have been, and obviously I'm talking about the WWE issues, there, there's this swing, this undercurrent of positivity. And I, and I, I mean that across the board. And I think hopefully life has allowed us to pop the bubble of the past years and, and just let you enjoy it. Just, just, like enjoy this thing and i don't think everything has to be a five-star classic and the subjective i the fantasy booking in my head do not play out on this just pull back a little bit at the same time you got to see it you got to see it on television where some of those critiques that we saw on social media true i've not been able to see the show on tv i saw it from the crowd i i drink in that experience 
I heard a lot of people were upset, didn't like it, didn't think it lived up to the expectations, didn't get the flair you wanted, you got something else. Is there something about the show that maybe people on the internet are, are right about? Yeah. If someone relies on you financially, your spouse, your child, anyone, life insurance gives you the peace of mind that they'll have a financial cushion if something ever happens to you. By making it easy to compare your options from top companies, Goliath Life helps make sure you're not paying a penny more than you have to for the life insurance coverage you need to protect those you love. At GoliathLife.com, you can compare personalized quotes from top companies to find your lowest price. The process is fast and easy with no hidden fees, upsells, or hassles. Goliath Life is your one-stop shop to find the life insurance you need at the right price. Head to GoliathLife.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's GoliathLife.com. And that's that's the tough thing is like, you know, part of the, uh, as we like to call them, the IWC, the Internet Wrestling Community. They're never going to be happy. I mean, you tell them, hey, it's Ric Flair's last match. And they're going to get excited, but then they watch it and then they're never going to be happy. That, that's the thing. But I like you yeah. said, I feel as if there's this upswing of things that are happening. Like, for example, my five-year-old is just now getting into wrestling, and he loves every single thing about wrestling, and you can't tell him anything. And he's he's figured out who's the good guys, who's the bad guys, and he's thumb up in everybody and thumbs down. And like we went to uh, not too long ago when Impact did a show, and him and uh, him and Michael Bennett got into it. Like my five-year-old yeah. and Michael Bennett going at it. Like this is yeah. the time where wrestling fans can enjoy stuff, and I just wish that they weren't so negative on social media about it. It's just easy though, too, right? You know, yeah. I, J- Jason, you've seen it with sports, and, and you're covering all the teams. And like, I, if I was the coach of this team, I'd do this. Like, you see that all the time, all the time. It's a, it's a natural knee jerk reaction, and I assume you got it over a bleacher report as well. It's natural. It, it is against our. Sometimes our, our natural nature is not our better judgment. You know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, I think there's a difference, too, between straight-up negativity and just shitting all over it and then just not yeah. liking it. If you don't like it and it's not for you, yeah. that's totally fine. You know, I think that's fine. Yeah. People saying that about SummerSlam or this show. I think that's cool. If you love it, I won't tell you otherwise. If you if you don't like it, you're not going to like it. I'm probably not going to change your mind. It, it's the people saying, well, this was – I mean, listen, certain things are absolute garbage. I will be the first one to say that. But mm-hmm. I, I think – Having an opinion is fine, and being too toxic about it is, is a whole other thing. I think the problem with me anyway, not with me, but what I see, is people going after other people for liking certain things. Not just with this show, but like the, the example from the other day, Kat Dennings commenting on SummerSlam saying, oh, I think I'm a WWE fan now. And you got people commenting saying, well, you should probably be watching AEW instead. Like, that's not what this is about. You know, like, we're all here to enjoy wrestling. And if you didn't like the show, whatever, if you didn't like Ric Flair's last match, it is what it is. But I think bringing other people people down with you is where I kind of draw the line. I think that's a little, I think that's a little weird. I guess that's social media in 2022, but I try to stay away from that if possible. I've been watching wrestling for a long time. And for me, I'm not going to tell you how to fan. You fan how you want to fan. I'll just enjoy the wrestling that I like ultimately. Right. Because if somebody has a, has a problem with Ric Flair's last match or doesn't have a problem with the card, hey, you can fan how you want to fan. I just know what I enjoy. And I'll just continue to enjoy what I enjoy. I don't worry about the, the you know, the torch-wielding mob out there that wants to tear down everything wrestling. I'll just enjoy what I like. 
if that's okay. <laughs> We're marching to Stanford, Connecticut, and they are going to hear us to the WWE headquarters, and we will come, and we will destroy the logo, we will tear it down. Yes, the, the, those people exist. They exist, unfortunately. Yeah. The, yeah. And those are the ones that give wrestling fans bad names. I, I'm yes. just going to go ahead and say it. Because uh, yeah. I, I sat there the other night at, at, at SummerSlam, and I was up there in the press box with you guys, and then I went down and sat with, with some people out in the crowd, some friends of mine. And, like, there was two guys next to us that was just constantly crapping on every match there. And I was like, you bought tickets to crap on this. Like, I don't understand that. But, I mean, they just got your money, so why does it matter? And then, you know, and in in, in Nashville, I heard it from both sides of, like, and we briefly talked about this. I heard people say, well, I, I skip paying SummerSlam tickets to go to Ric Flair's last match and vice versa. And here in yeah. Nashville, that was all we talked about. The entire week was leading up to it. And it when you got people calling in on our radio show, they were like, I'm going to Ric Flair's last match. I'm going to SummerSlam. I'm going to both. And about 80% of those phone calls were saying they were going to both because they enjoyed wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I guess uh, it's just silliness. It's more like, well, the thing I like is better, so it gets better if I make somebody else like it more. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like, like how you enjoy wrestling now because you know your son's watching it. It's a different joy. It's, there's, yes. there's something else you can take. Yeah, uh, but then there's a, another side of it. Well, the thing I like is better if I make you feel bad about it. And whatever. What is that? You know, you you need a tag team partner in life, buddy. You need a hot tag. That's what you need. <laughs> you, you, you need something else. Yeah, definitely for sure. <laughs> I mean, and, uh, I mean, wrestling all of a sudden became like USC versus Notre Dame. It became Alabama yeah. and Georgia. Like this is where it, this is where it's become. That's fine. You do you do you. I just know that when um, when Ring of Honor comes here, or when MLW is going to be coming here, or Ring WWE, what AEW, whoever, I'll be there to see it and I'll enjoy it and I'll look at it and look at some of the matches. Like you know that could have been better, uh, or that was great. And I'll just lo- love it as a fan. Like, but but you know what? I won't allow the internet wrestling community that hates everything to bring me down as a fan. I just won't do it. Mm-mm. And and if you didn't like it, if you didn't like Flair's match, let's put it this way: the rest of the show was a banger. You know what I mean? You got you got yeah. But I mean, like if if Flair's match was a disappointment, you can't look at the rest of that show and say it wasn't good. And there were many fans I talked to today, texting, just messaging people and. And, and buddies of mine who said, ah, that was rough, or I didn't enjoy it, or I only watched clips of the flare, the main event. I watched the rest of the show, and I really enjoyed it. I didn't feel comfortable watching the main event. I heard that from some people, too. Um, you know, I was there. I was on board. I wasn't going to leave before Flair's match. I, I wanted to see that. And, and I felt it was a strong card. I thought SummerSlam was a spectacular show. I mean, if you went to both shows, you got you got what you paid for, you know? And if, and if you... you and if you miss one, you can watch them on demand. It's digital media. It's a couple clicks away. That's the best part. And I know we're, we, we talked about not going down the card uh, for every match, but I will say the one match that we haven't really talked about was the bunkhouse match. Yeah. It was great because we're sitting there and, uh, you know, everything's coming out and all of a sudden here comes Nick Gage, Gage running out. And, like, that arena lost it. And I thought that was great. And just how everything ended, I I thought it was fantastic. And that was a a good way to get the official pay-per-view started off. I know we had the pre-show stuff, but having that go on right there to get everything jump-started was fantastic. 
at a, at a match where you could have a bunch of different people, you could have Bully Ray in that match, you know, doing hardcore brawling, doing the ECW thing with the GCW guys who are you know, a hot name on the independent market. Uh, and and a guy who just came back on the independent scene, a lot of people think is going to have a TV contract at some point, or at least want him to have one, and Nance Warner. I mean, he is wrestling to the umph degree. He is the the, the pay window, the, the, the southern working hard fighting man. Like, he is that guy. Uh, I've gotten the pleasure of working with Nance at AAW uh, out of Chicago. Big cheap plug, Destination Chicago on Fight TV, September 1st. Get your all up. We can go in. You know what's up, Jay Hood. We'll have a seat for you up at the Logan Square Auditorium and, 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 the, and the balcony. Come on out. Uh, it's going to be a special one, and he's been our champion, and he was the champion we uh, were, were happy enough and, and so grateful to have in the pandemic. When we're an indie organization that can't, you know, we're only allowed to have 25 people in the building. Now we can thankfully run buildings. He's that guy. He's the independent, hardworking wrestling guy. So, the option to go with him was the best, and GCW getting shine there, like saying, "Like, hey, we're the we're the heart, we're the real legit, you know, steak and potatoes wrestling brand." Now, yeah. I, I thought that was a great showing for them. Definitely for boy, sure. And boy, I, I think boy, it was they a good TV. Boy, if they ever get TV, boy, look out. Like, I understand that that's not the end all, like, getting TV, but the idea that they've been able to get, you know, travel, they've been here in the, in, the, uh, in suburban Chicago, they've been in New York, and being able to sell out buildings, it's like, okay, this is starting to be like a little ECW-ish type of revolution. We're starting to bubble to the surface. Boy, what if, right? What if? Wow. Are you the first person that's made that comparison? I don't know. <laughs> You're not. I'm just that. being a smart ass. Do that. You don't have to do that. I think though, that was a selling point. Solid. <laughs> <laughs> but when you when you sit there and you look at that that bunkhouse, I, I think the perfect choice was Mance. I think, like you said, I mean, he's the guy that puts it out there. Because for a second there, I thought, hey, it's going to be bully. He's he's the big name that came into it. He's the yeah. one that like. You bring in, and all these new fans are gonna be like, "Hey, I know Bully Ray from this, this, and this." So I kind of thought that, but it was, you know, Vance getting over, and then at the end when Bully, you know, gave him the 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 beer, raised his hand, shook his hand. I was like, maybe we're gonna see something soon between those two. Maybe this is this show right here could catapult many a different storylines for many a different promotions, and it's all because of Ric Flair's last match. Yeah, 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 man. So that that's what I'm I'm sitting here thinking about. So I, I know Graham, we, we we talked about the nostalgia walking into the arena. When you're, when you're sitting there seeing everything, what's your first thought of everything when you're walking there and you see it all for your the first time? I actually wasn't there. I only watched it after the fact on Fight TV. Uh, so what? Yeah, so so when you watched it and you turned it on, then okay, <laughs> uh, what what was your thought process when you saw everything? The nostalgia, the backdrop. Uh, the patches, everything. So I will say this before I answer that. I wish I could have gone. Um, I knew this was happening. I don't know when the show was announced. And when I booked this a while ago, my trip to, to now, Na- I almost said Vegas, Nash Vegas, to Nashville over the weekend. I only did it through Saturday to go to SummerSlam. 
the, the, the Flair match itself didn't overly intrigue me. I know you guys probably talked about the match earlier. The idea of Flair wrestling one more time wasn't exactly for me. And then I watched the match and ended up being exactly what it probably should have been. No complaints there, really. The rest of the card, after seeing the other matches announced, I'm thinking, shit, this is something I got to go to. But I had to fly out on Sunday, so I had to miss it live. I was so mad about that. But ended up being a great show. So talking about the nostalgia aspect of it. I saw someone make this comparison on Twitter and not to knock them, but I still keep up with the product, the NWA currently. I feel mm-hmm. like it was kind of what they had with power a couple of years ago. Cause I thought that throwback feel in the studio was so great. And they're doing that now still, but they just lost a lot of momentum. They lost a lot of talent and their storyline. I mean, they're having their next pay-per-view headline by Tyrus. That's not exactly for me personally, but whatever. Um, that nostalgia feel, though, is really what kind of carried them early on when they first were revitalized a couple of years ago. That's what I thought the show really nailed last night, like you said. That vibe about it and just that big fight feel, that atmosphere. I mean, this was a guy, Ric Flair, you have to remember, not for the overall show, but for him specifically. Nine months ago, a year ago, was almost on the outs with the majority of wrestling fans after the whole dark side of the ring thing. And rightfully so. I'm not condoning that. But, you know, a year later, having his last match, just showered with praise and just the, the, the whole cell. This was a celebration of the career of Ric Flair, regardless of what you think about him as a person. And I thought they did that beautifully with the, just the, again, like you said, the vibe and bringing back a lot of familiar faces from the past and the way they executed that, the, the, the ability to bring those people back. And that Shivani did a great job on commentary, the post-match interviews, you know, Conrad Thompson, a fan that is very well documented executed not just have the idea but to do that made it that much more enticing for me as a fan so like i said that was the real takeaway for me for this show was the vibe and again would this work on a weekly basis would this work as a quarterly thing if it wasn't revolving rick flair i honestly i don't know i feel like it worked because it was about rick flair and rick flair we all know is back from that era would it work with other wrestlers in the main event? I, I'm not sure with the Jim Crockett promotions in 2022, as you guys said earlier. I'm not sure. I would like to think so. I think it would be cool. I think it's worth a shot, but um, especially after last night, because they knocked it out of the park as far as how it kind of came across and the vibe they were going for. Well, what you said about the NWA made a lot of sense because you're right. Before the pandemic, that was a hot. It was hot for what they could bring to the table. It yes. was yeah. interesting to watch. Like, Week in and week yeah. out, you're saying, okay, where are they going with this? But that all led to the 10 pounds of gold, that whole series and pushing Nick Aldis out there and just, you know, in the matchups that he had, I think that that led into, I thought, really compelling television for what it was, right? Small scale, but at least interesting. Mm-hmm. It was it was nostalgia, and they were able to reimagine the old NWA, you know, TBS studios, which is cool. So in, in that way, I think what the NWA was was good. It's lacked a lot since the pandemic, you know, not, not, not big crowds, you know, the type of um, talent that they have is not you know, on top. You, you said Tyrus is on top. Is it against uh, Murdoch? Is that the mm-hmm. next? Yeah, it's, it's like a match from SVR 2008. I mean, listen, I like Trevor Murdoch, but like Tough. Tyrus, I don't think has been relevant in quite a while. I'm not a Tyrus fan. If, if anyone else is, that's totally fine. But no, that's hey, listen, tough. it doesn't, uh, it's not quite for me. So it is what it is, I guess. Brandon, thank you for taking the gloves off. We really appreciate that. That was very nice. It was a, that was a full sock in the face to Billy Corgan and his friends. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard. There were, some, there were some brands in the pandemic that were going to be damaged by the circumstances and were, were going to be challenged. And we, 
Uh, I, I was thankful to, enough to do, work on a marketing event uh, for New Japan Pro Wrestling of America, and they did well. Uh, but talking to people, they're like, this is a very, even though the house was sold out and the event I was working for them, and they had done that, I was just doing day up stuff. It was, um, no, this has been a very, very challenging. This is just a relief. We have to do more of these. And I was like, oh, I got the impression of like, they're making up for lost time. You know, they're making up for all these different things. And and I, I think quarterly events may be a smart way to go. Like, like we're calm and wait. And every few months we're going to have something big. Think about it. You're already watching this on every shows. You're trusting this service. You know when you come to it, you're going to get what you pay for and more. Uh, and you know you're going to get – so what else can we do that that laps fan audience, that 25 to 50 fan who goes in and out of wrestling? Uh, Chris is my buddy. He's like, I'll follow what's going on with WWE. I'll go to the big shows. We went to the Rumble. We went to – Mania in Texas, I'm working them. I'm still a fan. I want to see them, but I want to cover them and do interviews and all these different things. But there's a lot of fans like that where they're just like, eh, I want to go and see it. I want to be a part of it. I want to, uh, you know, the same people that uh, want to, they're going to be in every Marvel movie. WWE has those fans. Pro wrestling has those fans. And there is more, there's more room. There's more room at the table than anyone knows, you know? And, and um, and I think the idea that, oh, it's only WWE and all elite is silly. It's very, very silly and very, very short-sighted. Uh, and I think there could be something that, especially because you already have a fan base that's built in and you know where they want to go. And the wrestling showcase is a great example coming up the weekend of All Out and piggybacking off big weekends. I'm down. Everybody's in one place. Let me, you know, let me, let me get a microphone and ask you something and we can, we can write it up, you know? So, on my end, in the media, you know, Jason, you're, you, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, the Super Bowl, all the players in one place. Let's talk to them about next season, you know. It, yeah. it, it does make itself convenient in that regard, you know. And I think that, I mean, you you can play that around that, the quarterly things, like you said. I mean, you plan this weekend around, you know, another weekend, and it's it's the one thing that I've enjoyed is now that they've moved WWE pay-per-views to Saturday night. And that way you can have these events on your Sunday night and just make it an entire weekend. Cause I mean, that's what we did in Nashville. Yeah. Even though I live here, we started everything on Friday and it was wrestling Friday, wrestling Saturday, wrestling Sunday. And then of course, wrestling today as well for, for local stuff here. Uh, we, got, we got a lot of angry wives out there. There's a lot of angry wives and girlfriends. Exactly. I have one downstairs and it's like, Hey, she's texting. It's like, Hey, are you, uh, are you about done? Because uh, the five-year-olds wanting to try to run up there. So do a quick run in. Um, Amen to that, man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the, you look at the, 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 the stuff on adfreeshows.com and it, I mean, there's a lot of things you could, like you said, there's a lot of faith and trust that us as wrestling fans put into them. And they're mm-hmm. not out here just trying to get money off of you or this. You look at the content that they're given. The thing that I like on adfreeshows.com, as you can tell behind me, big belt guys watching the documentaries that they put out about the belts. Like, I'm a nerd for belts. That was great about it. And then going back to, like we said earlier, nerding out when Flair came out with the big gold, the big gold last night. Like, I popped harder than the woo and hearing Ric Flair's theme song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was a fantastic touch i wasn't expecting that but again it all comes down to, like i said earlier the execution of it like it wasn't like he just walked out with it in his hands like he had it i don't know how he did it exactly i forget how exactly he came out i was at ringside i was i was right by the entrance 
he came out. He was all he had it all tied up, so you didn't see it. Mm-hmm. He the turned robot, his back yeah. to the camera, and then took the robot. And you saw Nature Boy in the back. You had to see the full glimmer in the light, and they had the perfect spotlight on a walkway. So the lack of light in some parts of the stage gave more ambiance, gave him more a little bit more pop, you know. And it did have that NWA grand stage lighting type vibe to it. it very Broadway. It was not LEDs everywhere. This was very old school and in a good way, in a good way. And WWE had a big elaborate production on Saturday for, di- for a different audience. Uh, and then when he turned around, he had the belt. It was the perfect reveal. It was the show, now tell. You know, and um, I love that touch. And that's the craft. That's, what you, that's the Gaga. That's the Gaga. And at about this time, real quick, uh, we've got another guest joining us on uh, the recap for Ric Flair's last match. Let's go ahead and bring in Bill Pritchard from WrestleZone joins us on here now with us. Thanks for coming on, Bill. Thanks for being a part of the show tonight. So we just kind of been going through uh, Ric Flair's last match, and uh, I know you were there Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Tell me tell me your thoughts about the match and the whole card itself. Uh I'll start with the card before I get to the main event. Uh, I thought it was incredibly fun, uh, a good variety of matches. Uh, the presentation, you know, I was not uh, – not that I wasn't a huge Jim Proc- Crockett Promotions fan. It's just I didn't really have access to it back then. But as far as what I do know about it and what I've seen, this event seemed very accurate to what it was. Uh the best match, I think, uh, was the AAA four-way uh, that Phoenix won. That was just bell-to-bell, like, bonkers. Uh, and as far as, you know, talent getting a chance to shine, I really feel like some people f- don't give Phoenix the credit that he deserves, even though he's on AEW with uh, Penta uh, every week. Uh, I feel like he's still maybe a little underappreciated. Uh, same thing for Jacob Fatu. Like I see him on MLW all the time, but you know, obviously they don't have the audience that maybe some of these other companies do. Uh, Fatu is an incredible talent. And then the main event I thought was really fun. The, the live crowd was really into it. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like the live crowd enjoyed it more than maybe the people watching on, on, uh, fight, uh, some of the feedback I've seen, uh, the mics weren't really working on the broadcast is I was like, it's plenty loud in here. Like, yeah. you know, like I've seen some comments about like, Oh, these people need to like, remember they're at a live event. And I was like, no, they don't like, they're very vocal right now. Uh, Jarrett got a ton of heat. Uh, he, when he threw the beer in that guy's face on his way down to the ring, like that was massive heat. And then Karen scrapping at ringside, uh, I feel like Jarrett proved that he can still go and uh, domestic fans haven't really seen that from him in a while. Uh, I know he's done some work uh, in triple a, but you know, as far as like a U.S. wrestling audience, they haven't seen that from him for a while. I think he really showed people something. Uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. Like that, that's at the end of the day, that's why we were there. I think, you know, if you were there live, you maybe had a better experience. Uh, I, not that I would want to see another last match sort of event, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I could see this being, and I don't mean that specific to Rick, but uh, I, I think if it was like more of like a Starcast super show or something along those lines, 
the variety was there. The presentation was there. Uh, it clearly draws, uh, you know, I, I would definitely go to another event. It just, you know, it wouldn't be Rick in the main event. You know, right. Bill, I guess from my standpoint, watching it on fight, I think something that is undersold and not talked about enough is, is that we didn't know how this was going to look on television. I mean, we see plenty of internet, you know, see a lot of, um, local wrestling events where the camera's out of place or it's a two camera shoot and there's always using issues. an iPhone. Yeah. Something, something like that. We've seen this, but I think yeah. that it went off without a hitch. I'm looking at great camera work. I'm looking at the lighting exactly where it needs to be at the ring. I just thought that, you know, for a first time for Conrad Thompson doing this and putting it on fight the way he did, I think that it went really well. It's, I think, that there's a lot of them that don't go well. I thought it was very, very well produced. Yeah, uh, I, I think it looked great. Um, I've and I've watched clips back since. Um, Presentate like visually looked great. Uh, the only thing I think I would have liked to seen is maybe one or two segments on the top of the stage. Like I don't know if it was on the broadcast, but I know when Nick Aldis came out, like that was sort of a bigger deal and people were like, you know, getting into that a little bit. But as far as like maybe a a Shivani interview or two, just to break it up. So it wasn't like match video package, match video package. But even that, I feel like, you know, they didn't spend, uh, they didn't overplay a lot of those packages. It was a lot of just saying thank you to Rick. It wasn't like, uh, other events that I've been to recently where it was like 15 minutes of video in between a match, not yeah. to be specific. But. <laughs> Who are you talking about, Bill? Bingo hall. Who are you talking about, Bill? Come on. I went to the bingo hall. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was, that was the <laughs> thing about that was like, yeah, like you said, it was a quick video package, and then it was right back to the action. There was there was one time that I, I remember, and I think it was right there at the end of the Von Erichs and the Briscoes. I was sending out a tweet, and I looked down at my phone, and all of a sudden, I just hear the bell ring. And I was like, what just happened? I literally yeah. looked down at my phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, absolutely. it was just it was action packed, and it kept you it kept you there, and it it was it wasn't one of those one years like, okay. Uh, when's this match over? Is this mm-hmm. what's the next? Like when when it got to uh, Deanna, I that match, I was like, yeah. oh, the main event's next. Like, yeah. I so I got there a little bit late, so I missed the the New Japan match on the pre-show. I thought it was just the bunkhouse match, so I was like talking to people, and I was like, oh yeah, we got. I mean, I'm like this show is like burning through, but we still have three more matches, and they're like, no, it's two the knockouts in the main event. I'm like, no, the new Japan. They're like, no, you like, so the, the pacing was just like lightning. Yeah. Like, and then once you got, uh, I mean, once you got to the main event, like they gave them a lot of time between Rick's entrance, uh, the match itself, like, and none of it ever felt like they were stalling for time. Like it, it really felt old school, like, you know, like, focusing on getting the the fans there to to play into it like you know when uh the heel team was avoiding tying up with rick and like Jarrett was like tagging back out to lethal and showboating like it never felt like a stall tactic in character it is like he's trying to get out of it but it felt like 
trying to build to that point where they, you know, the classic, like when the baby face finally gets his hands on the heel, like it, it felt like one of those like classic storytelling aspects to a match. Yeah. Were you about to say something, Kev? No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I think when you go like bouncing off a of bill, like it, it didn't seem like, again, they were dragging it out. Um, sitting there watching it, like, you know, watching Jared's entrance. And I, I really was excited that he went with the, uh, the old school entrance um, and, you know, lethal doing his thing. And I think with, with Jared doing his lap around doing the hill thing, like you said earlier, spit throwing the beer in the dude's face and then, you know, literally walking around and I watched this guy, Flick Jared off and Jared just took it and just was like going at the dude. And I was like, this is the Jared that I would love to see more of. And we, we kind of got a little bit of that with him and Effie and GCW. I was like, but give me more of this, show this up on TV, wherever it's at. I need more of this Jeff, not, Hey, I'm country singer, Jeff Jared, or Hey, I'm slap nuts, Jeff Jared. Give me that, that we just <laughs> saw Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> You won't see that anymore. Like, is that going? Is that guy going to show up on Raw? Like, I would hope I, so. I would tune in if it was. Weekend, <laughs> <laughs> I would watch. That, that's yeah. that's independent wrestling. GCW, Ric Flair's last match, Jeff Jarrett. I, I can, yeah. like, I, if that guy showed up, the GCW Jeff Jarrett, I would love to see on the mainstream because that guy was different. He had the black pants. And he kind of slowly brought out his guitar. You didn't know where where he was going. He was weird. It's like, like he's like he's like the last outlaw. I believe his name was. I believe mm-hmm. that was his nickname. Yeah. Was going. Yeah. That guy was that guy was ominous. Like I don't know if we'll also, see him again. What what if, what if this is Jeff Jarrett's last match? That man's fifty four years old, and and he's in an executive position now that's very demanding. And and he's wrestled the matches for GCW. Those were commitments he has. He's a par- partial owner of a minor league baseball team, the, the Lucky Horseshoes in Springfield. He's a very, very busy guy. I mean, is this the last time we see him wrestle? And the comments he made to ESPN made it seem like this is a special thing. Uh, I mean, what does this do for Lethal? Lethal was emotional after this match. Yeah. Very emotional. That was a very, very big deal for him to be a part of this. You know, they sold this like, uh, and Dorani called it the most important match of his career to have this moment with Rick. I mean, this is a big deal. Where do those guys go from this? If I'm AEW, you got to start thinking, like, I got to do more of this Andrade guy. If, if I'm WWE, hey, Jeff, how do we make a special moment like you had in WWE? You know? But, if, I'm, if I'm Tony Khan, if I'm Triple H, I'm looking at the show saying, how do we tap into that? There's some emotions there that we can do on our platforms. Very inspirational show. I'd love to see some special throwback, isolated, like, this night's all about one-person type shows uh, on those bigger platforms. A lot of, lot of jump-off points you can run from here with that. I mean, I mentioned a couple – I said Phoenix and Jacob Fatu. Like, I feel like Andrade's underappreciated, too, or underused. Like, WWE, like, the NXT run was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then main roster, it was like, eh, so-so. And then, like – I mean, AEW is using him, but I mean, what you saw this weekend, you haven't seen from him in AEW yet. So it's like, how do you know um, what we saw to get that in AEW? Because I mean, I love the character work that he's doing and, you know, like the black mask and 
all that stuff, like that's one element, but I want to see the guy that I saw last night. Like he could, he could potentially be a huge baby face in, yeah. in AEW. He's one to watch too. I know everyone last week coming off the Triple H thing was talking about Adam Cole and Malachi Black and Keith Lee, all these Triple H guys. Andrade, like you just said, Bill, in his NXT run was a massive Triple H guy. Had an amazing run there. So I don't know what his contract status is, but I know his wife still works there. Who knows where Rick's going to end up if he does anything else with WWE in the future. I'm sure it will happen at some point, but... um. You know, he's another guy. He really hasn't done a whole lot in AEW. He's he's a guy that knows his worth. If he signed for a year or two, he might he could potentially leave and at least play the two sides against each other. So we'll see. He's very talented. I'm very excited to see where he goes from here as well. I kind of thought Andrade could have been able to do more, but it's Ric Flair's last match, actually. I think that he had a lot more to give. I and mean, we've seen him in banger matches, but it's kind of like it's Ric Flair's last match. I'll just bring it down to maybe a level five instead of a level 10 and go full throttle uh, because right now you want to push Rick, Rick out there as much as possible. Hell, as we mentioned earlier, like Andrade could have done the finish, but it's like he didn't want to have that pressure. He was trying to revive Rick enough to be able to get those brass knuckles and, and get the finish going. So I think Andrade took a little bit of himself out of the spotlight to put Rick in the spotlight, and rightfully so, after all his last match. And, and I also think you know the, the curtains pull back. We're, we know it's a show. You know, we know we know that's a seven-year-old man who wa- wants his his last gallop in the sun. And and that thing with the finish, I heard a lot of people were very critical of that finish. That that that's the finish. We got to get to it. You know, like that's that's what this is about. Isn't that what you're rooting for? Aren't you rooting for this guy to be able to pull off another great performance? And if it isn't great and it's good, you know. And you even saw Rick say it afterwards. I hope I didn't let you down. I hope I didn't let you down. And and if anyone's upset about it and, like, wanted this Ric Flair from 91 or, you know, they wanted Flair from 08, like I said earlier, you you were getting Rick doing all that he could. And everybody coming together to help him do that, I think, was a special thing. I think that was the story. That was more the story than any than anything. And, and, and that made it special. It made it feel like, I want to see this. I want to see how this plays out. Right. And you talk about a lot of people showing up and showing out for that match. I mean, you, we, we talked about this earlier, but I mean, you look at there, you had Undertaker, you had Mick Foley, Bret Hart, all sitting right next to each other in the front row. You had the Nasty Boys there. You had Victor Guerrero there. You had Kid Rock there. I mean, you had the who's who's of people that have said, hey, Rick has influenced my career. And you, I mean, I sit there and think about it. It's like, they're not going to miss that. They they are gonna drop I, whatever they were doing to make sure that they were on there. Friday. Yeah, we're committed to being cold. Fridays was so you could like not and be. I agree. That's why I highlight the other that it's like, oh, there you go. Oh, there we is. lost you a little bit. You're you're going through the upside down again. <laughs> it's Indiana. It's Indiana. Yes. But I agree with you, Woody. Every, everything you said, absolutely. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I know we've been we've been kind of going on for a little bit, uh, a little long for this, talking about Ric Flair's last match. But uh, I just want to say thank you guys for all hopping on and big shout out to ad free shows for allowing us to uh, all come together and do this and talk about Ric Flair's last match. So uh, before we let everybody go, let's let's kind of go around the horn and uh, tell where people you can follow you at. Where can they listen to your shows? And uh, we'll start with you, uh, Jay Hood. Okay, you can catch me at Good Karma Wrestling every Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 Pacific. Uh, it is on YouTube and also all the Good Karma stations. And don't forget, Kevin, you can find me, Jonathan Hood. Jonathan Hood. <laughs> Jonathan Hood. Jonathan Hood. I, 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 I would ask you to Google me, but that's okay. Don't do that. <laughs> Jonathan Hood I'm sorry. I, I feel so bad. I feel so bad. There are so many teachers. Uh, Hood, Hood understands this. Uh, uh, an absolute foundation of broadcasting in Chicago. And I have teachers from Columbia College where I went to radio school who are going to be texting me when they're aware that I called you by the wrong name. And I'm going to get in so much trouble about this. I'm so sorry. Kev, it's okay. It was just for the entire show. So we're so it's all good. And see, that's the thing is, I was like, okay, do I call? It was it. Do I say Jonathan Hood? Do I say J Hood? Because that's the name on here. So it's like, am I the asshole if I say the wrong thing? No, no. But I've heard J. I've heard J Hood before, so I was going with that. Yeah. So it's all right. It's all right. I am. I'll be the asshole. Someone has to be the heel. Someone's got to be the heel. Uh, you, you can you can see me on Sports Peter Wrestling. It's available on YouTube. Uh, we we have Vince Russo covering Monday Night Raw. We have Dutch Mantel covering SmackDown. We have exclusive interviews up now with uh, the media scrums with Triple H, uh, with Bianca Belair, with a bunch of different people. An interview with Ciampa that I really loved that he, where he went off on somebody. I got to talk to Claudio Castagnoli this week. Uh, so we have that dropping on our channel this week as well and a whole bunch of different stuff. Daily news videos over there. I'm all over Sports Peter Wrestling. Go check me out. And uh, give me a follow on Twitter machine at Kev Callum. Bill Pritchard, what's going on over in the Wrestle Zone? Uh, BPritchard152 is my account. Uh, WrestleZone.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, bunch of stuff from the Scrum is going to be coming out this week. Uh, some of it's already up. Uh Brian Danielson, Renee Paquette, uh, Soraya Page, th- those were all really uh, good good uh, conversations, some insightful stuff from all three, and then I got some stuff on the floor from StarCast as well coming out. Uh, and uh, Austin Gunn is one of them. I want to put that one over specifically. That dude, I didn't see anybody working and promoting harder than him this weekend. Like, he was awesome so that one work in the room uh and then i actually have an interview with uh cj perry aka lana that's going to be out tomorrow so that's that's a really good one too uh had some fun talking to her about what she's up to uh what uh she wants out of a return uh to wrestling uh and then some surreal life updates if anybody remembers that she filmed the show so there's wrestling some reality stuff in there the reality tv stuff in there so it's uh the week's not over yet we got plenty of stuff coming and uh, coming up on, on wrestles on 
Sounds like an exciting week. Also, I uh, just want to give a shout out Graham Matthews for jumping on the show with us uh, from Wrestle Rant and Bleach Report. He did send in the uh, the group text that uh, he didn't have his laptop plugged in and his battery just died. So uh, he appreciates <laughs> us uh, letting him come on the show. And uh, my name is Battle. Of course, you can find the Battleground Podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Battleground Podcast. Later this week, we're dropping an interview with Daniel Garcia. Uh, so we're talking to him and, uh, we do ask about the Kango hats and, uh, you know, his influence with that. And, uh, yeah, so you can check out the battleground podcast on uh, our, uh, YouTube, just search battleground podcast. And recently we also sit down with Tony Khan and, uh, Arn Anderson and Conrad Thompson and everybody from Starcast. So it's a fun time. And, uh, again, guys, thank you for, for coming on the show. And do we, do we end it with all of us doing one, two, three, woo? Sure. Yes. Yes, that's I think that, we that should. So, yes. so if everybody is watching and listening to this, one, you're with me on three, two, one, two, three. Woo! Woo! Titus and Tate, a podcast from two obsessed basketball lovers. Twitter's a place for losers. I think the same thing about podcasts. I think you and I are losers. We podcast. We know we're losers. Most podcasts, you and I are doing it right now, are done over Zoom. I'm not even wearing pants right now. It's like you're not wearing going pants. Back to the, we're back to where we started, where you're just like kind of sitting <laughs> no, in your mom's No, we basement. used to wear pants when we, when we did podcasts. We've definitely gone, we've gone downhill. More than just analysts and stats. Titus and Tate, listen wherever you get your podcasts.